Welcome to Backstage with Saddle. I'm your new host Shreya from Saddle's marketing team. We'll be sharing eventful insights and stories about the exciting world of events from various industry leaders. Wrapping up 2022, am I the only one who felt like the year flew by? Well, that's the standard dialogue that comes around during the end of each year. 2022 came with its own sets of twists, turns, ups and downs within the B2B world. To learn from the past and to move forward into the new year, we've created a trends report, the future of B2B events in 2023. I'm thrilled to have some of Zarul's very own on the 11th episode of our podcast. Bharat Verma, CEO and co-founder of Zarul and Ketan Pandit, our head of marketing. Join them on this special episode as they discuss these findings and share their views on how 2023 can be a smooth one for B2B marketers. All right, awesome. Let's let's just dive in. Hi Bharat. 2022 Hi. has uh, been a very very interesting year for us. and the uh, the events industry as such we saw massive uh, uh you know in person events making a comeback you had dreamforce we had saster annual hubspot uh, imax aws reinvent right and you you were at some of these events um, what were your observations how was it like going back to these large events from pre pandemic to now yeah it's i'd say it's been a pretty interesting year for sure uh the year started off with a lot of virtual events and the year ended with like probably the most number of in person events that have happened over the last 3 years right so yeah it's been really an interesting year for sure uh and i have attended a lot of in person events i'd say over the last 5 6 months uh a lot more than i have attended probably cumulatively over the last 3 years right i think that's the case with uh, most of the people i think just a couple of interesting observations from like from the events that i went to right like i went to the sastranul uh the dreamforce uh imax uh uh and also the amazon reinvent right so yeah so it's been uh a couple of interesting things one is yeah i think some of these large scale events have been able to get pretty good attendance turnouts right like i'd say it was probably uh if not at par with the 2019 levels i'd say it was like very close to those numbers but on the other side like the smaller conferences right the the conferences that were attracting anywhere between say 500 to 1500 attendees saw a huge drop off in the number of attendees right like some conferences that i've been to uh, and a lot of even marketers that i was talking to some of them were also like existing customers of zabul right like when they participated in other conferences uh with booths they've seen attendance drop off as attendee turnouts which were probably 50% of the 2019 numbers yeah. so that's just a really interesting trend right wherein the big events continue to be able to attract audience while as some of the smaller conferences are finding it harder to do that but yeah talking about in person uh, i think just that energy that you have in an in person yeah. uh, event is is always great right the fact that you can just go meet people probably people you you haven't met in a long time and also it's just an opportunity to meet a lot of people it's it's also you just like so many people come to the event itself right so it's just so much easier to meet people that you already know of yeah yeah 
and i think uh, because of the pandemic there has been a lot of pent up demand also in folks to go and meet other people attend these large scale events live stay in a hotel do a three day conference kind of a thing yeah for sure and also see one interesting thing uh, that just occurred to me when i was going to all these conferences is like a lot of people talk about networking in these in person events mm-hmm. but what was interesting to see is yeah of course you meet new people that you've never met in you make new connections and things like that but i think it's more so just meeting the people that you know already mm-hmm. like probably you were just talking to them on linkedin probably you were just like it was some interaction on like on a social media platform right like you never met them but like you know of them you you talked a couple of times i think you just end up meeting a lot more of those people so it's not necessarily just like for meeting new people right it's also just meeting the people that you know of in some form or fashion but like and you just want to kind of meet them in person to establish that relationship yeah you're just putting a you know face to a name and you know just adds that bit of authenticity right yeah for sure yeah yeah absolutely so we we've been speaking to a bunch of marketers about 100 or so over the past couple of months right just to get a sense of how 2020 was for them what they're looking at uh, while going in 2023 right uh, and when we asked them to tell us what kind of were the key patterns that um, they were seeing in 2022 i mean a lot of thing common things emerged right one of which was that an overwhelming majority of b2b marketers were saying that uh, either pipeline or revenue is the north star metric for uh, them now right so events are no longer good to do just for brand but there has to be an roi tied to it what what are you hearing when you speak to you know customers and prospects yeah 100% right uh, i think i think that's true for every channel right now mm-hmm. i think that's that's true for every dollar that you spend like there has to be an roi attached to the spend right but i think it's been a transition that's been happening i'd say for the last like probably 10 years like 10 years ago i'd say a lot of companies that were spending money on events uh, i wouldn't say that they never cared about roi but i don't think that that was the primary uh, that was the primary metric that people were looking at right like i wouldn't say the primary metric was like generating revenue or creating pipeline of course that was always a part of it but a lot of it was also brand like just brand awareness right but i think now yeah just thinking of it as a brand awareness activity doesn't count anymore like it has to has to result in pipeline and drive revenue at the end of the day right so sorry yeah, go ahead yeah i think that's just like Mm-hmm. how it became for every channel and every dollar that you spend mm-hmm. and i guess even is no different right and because events are also very very expensive right yeah for sure like yeah like if you were to do like yeah use a conference which is a in person event uh, like forget about like 100000 10000 people people event or 20000 people event right even yeah. if it's like 1000 people like you'd probably be spending like yeah at least like 300 to 500000 dollars yeah which yeah. which is a lot of money right so you'll have to yeah yeah, yeah. <coughs> sorry the other thing that came out of this uh, survey was that you know a lot of b2b marketers said that uh, driving demand now has become more difficult than before right um and uh, for the same amount of effort they're getting a lesser attend registrant to attend the turnout right and this is an overwhelming like 60% or more folks mentioned this as a key pattern or concern that emerged in 2022 uh, 
Um, what are your thoughts on that? Why do you think that's happening? Yeah, I'd say one big aspect is just uh, is just the whole hybrid work environment. Like it's all like a lot of people working from office and not necessarily going to their offices. And I think there's just a lot of inertia because of work from home, right? Like I think it's just so much more easier to get people who are dressed up and who are already in their yeah. office to go to an event then to get them to move from their house, right? Yeah, yeah. So you're essentially not just competing with other events. You're also competing with like Netflix. You're competing with all the podcasts that are out there. And not just that, now there's also an added element of you're competing with the time with one gets to spend with their family. Yeah. It's an interesting dynamic, right? Like if you're going to step out of your house at like five o'clock in the evening for a networking dinner, is this a lot more harder to do when if you probably have like your kids at home and your family at home and yeah, it's just a lot harder to leave your house than to go from office. Yeah, and that's that, an interesting learning, right? Like when I talk to B2B marketers, that's like one common trend that I've seen where they're just finding it super hard to get people to move from their houses to yeah. the networking dinners. And people have tried like all sorts of things, right? Like even like things like giving a chauffeur, like literally sending a car to their house to make it easier for them. Yeah. And even then it's super hard to get yeah. them out, right? Like to get them on a car and forget them to like spend 20, 30 minutes traveling one way. Yeah. I, I'd say that that is a huge, uh, that's definitely one, uh, something that's changed over the last like 24 months. I think other than that, it's, it's just like the sheer number of events that are happening, right? Like, Events is a very important channel for a lot of companies out there. And a lot of people out there are doing webinars and field events and user conferences. And so there's just, just so much supply of, of hmm. events and content and Netflix. And yeah, just like, I guess, like an overload of, and you just, I guess, spoil for options. That's right. No, I mean, we do a lot of events, right? And we are seeing that that it's becoming it's becoming increasingly more difficult to, to get people to register or attend, right? So uh, I think uh, everybody is in a similar boat. But what do you think um, folks can do to improve this attendee or registration to attendee turnout or just basically get people to their events? Yeah, I think one, I'd say the biggest piece is definitely really having a great understanding of your audience and really understanding what is that they care about, right? Like understanding what is that they want to learn, like how can you add value to them? I think now, like you really, really have to add value to them, right? Like I think you just cannot like be preaching and like talking about like some concepts that are not, that doesn't help me like in my day-to-day -day job, right? So I think if you create content that is helpful, when I say helpful, something that can help me do my job better tomorrow and today, something that I can apply in my day-to-day -day work, I think people, like people, it's not that people don't watch content, right? Like people watch a lot more content than they watched five years ago. There are a lot of events that are happening, that's true, but also people spend a lot more time consuming content than they've ever done before. So I think it's just like the key is to kind of make it really, really valuable for them. And, uh, and also, I think it's also about having a deep understanding of the, the persona that you're targeting, right? Like what their preferences are. And it's about meeting them where they are and not expecting them to come to where you are. 
So what I mean by that is like, I've seen a couple of interesting things, a uh, couple of interesting events, right? Uh, if I were to, if I were to just give an example, I think Mutiny did a great job with an event that they've done with Saster. So a lot of people do like uh, networking dinners after the conference. And even for those, it's just really, really hard to generate demand, right? Because a lot of people are doing it. Like it's something that like That's probably right. five, 10, 15 companies are doing. So even there, you're kind of spoiled for choice. So an interesting thing that Mutiny did was they had like a workshop with 200 CMOs. So it was just not like a networking dinner. It was like literally a workshop wherein there were like, like there were like some CMOs talking about specific challenges that they've been able to solve. So again, it's about like really trying to kind of help people, right? Like give them content or talk about things that people want to hear, something that can help people. So like not just a networking dinner, like it's beyond that, right? It's about how do you add value? So that was a really interesting thing. They got about yeah 200 CMOs in one room, got them to talk about, like discuss different ideas, talk about what they're doing differently, the challenges that they've seen, uh, followed by a networking dinner, which which is interesting, right? So I think, yeah, it's just about not doing something because you've been doing that for the last five, 10 years, but yeah, it really needs to come from what your audience care about uh, and really understanding that deeply and, and designing your even program around that. Yeah. yeah. So talking about um, removing friction points, right? Um, one of the things that also came out was that um, a lot of these event uh, marketers, they're, they're using multiple tools to run a simple event, right? So even to run a simple event like a webinar, they probably dabble with four to six different tools, right? Which kind of uh, sounds easy, but is not when you look at the, the you know, the workflows that need to be created, the, the different points that data touches, the and when you look at the veracity of the data or the sanctity of the data, it's all over the place, right? So that was one more thing that came out in 2022 and people were, uh, B2B marketers were really, really tired with the, uh, managing all of this right so so where do you think that is do you think this is because of a an inherent gap in the event tech space yeah i i would think so i think it's also the larger theme of saas companies like over the last 10 years i think a lot of focus of a lot of tech companies at large has been about solving well mostly point solutions right which means which means that you pick like one problem and really try to solve that well and solve it uh, for all sorts of different use cases, but like solve one problem. And I think that's uh, that's what happened when it comes to even the event technology, right? But see, the interesting part about event technologies is it's just not event technology. So if you're talking about like four or five different tools that are being used for webinars, you're talking about like an email marketing tool which is a separate, which is a different tool, right? You're talking about like creation of the event site or the event landing page itself. And then the whole registration forms attached to it and then the webinar platform. So I think it comes from the fact that it, all this is not really event technology as such. It, you're just like getting together like a bunch of tools hmm. and trying to kind of patch them together to get your event program to work. Right. And a lot of these formats are like, I'd say like fairly new, right? Like obviously yeah. digital events exploded for the last like one, two years before that it wasn't like a big thing. So I'd say it's still in a pretty nascent stage. So 
I think, yeah, a, a lot of what's happening so far is like, you're just like using a bunch of tools that existed before. That's not really event tech and you're trying to kind of make it work. And when you're talking about events, like no event is really simple, right? Like, you know how it works. You've been yeah. doing it for some time. It looks like a simple event for the audience, but it's never simple for the person who is doing it. Yeah, that's right. And there's just a lot of challenges that we talked about, right? Like even driving demand is just becoming such a big problem. And usually even teams are like pretty lean teams. So yeah, and you'd want to make sure that the event marketers really get to spend time on understanding their audience better and thinking through what they need to do differently to add value to them, right? Which means that, yeah, there's definitely a need for, uh, I, I can totally see why people are frustrated having to use so many tools and manual processes that come with it. And yeah, the amount of time you need to spend. Yeah, I, you know, I can't help but uh, compare this to the the time between 1970s and uh, mid-1990s when uh, a lot of uh, IT systems were built like patchworks, right? So you had a mainframe and then you had some legacy CRM and then you had some LDPs and then SaaS happened and all of them kind of got uh, washed out, right? So I think this is a similar pivotal point for event tech where, uh, uh, you know, the way forward is simplification. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, I mean, 2020 is almost over. We've got one more week uh, before we call the curtains on this year. Going into 2023, there are certain trends that have been forecasted, right, by B2B marketers. Let's look at some of them, right? One of the first one that um, these uh, B2B marketers mentioned was that they're looking at um, a hybrid event strategy, right? Um, now, hybrid, the word has been thrown around a lot. Um, but I don't think it's fully understood in the context of an event mix, right? So what do you think, uh, how should event marketers look at an event, a hybrid event mix? Yeah, so I think first it's important to define what hybrid means and what we're talking about, because like you said, that that word doesn't really have like a single definition, right? Like everyone uses that word hybrid in a very different way. And I'd say for most people, hybrid really means like live streaming an in-person event to a virtual platform, right? Like that's what hybrid means. Uh, but yeah, for a lot of people, uh, hybrid doesn't, as in that definition of hybrid doesn't really seem to work because there's no engagement, right? It's pretty much like a live stream and to a virtual attendee, it pretty much looks like a pre-recorded video. Like, they can't really engage with the speaker. They can't really ask questions. Then they don't feel that they're a part of the event, which is very, very important, right? Like I'd say that that is one of the biggest differences between attending an event and watching a video on YouTube, which is the fact that you can interact with content there. You can ask a question and get a response, right? Like you're, you're a part of something that is that is happening live. Yeah. So, yeah, so if you're taking the definition of hybrid to be live interaction uh, and engagement that is happening between virtual attendees and uh, a combination of in-person speakers, virtual speakers, in-person attendees, virtual attendees, that's definitely going to be a huge, op that itself is a huge opportunity, right? Like to have like more reach as a company. But I think what is more interesting is just going to be the hybrid event strategy. And by a hybrid event strategy, what I mean is an event strategy that comprises of a combination of some in-person events, some hybrid events, wherein there's some engagement and interaction between virtual and in-person attendees, yeah. 
and some completely virtual events and webinars, right? So what you'll, yeah, what companies would really, at least I believe would really get into is a format wherein you're using different formats of these events based on the goals of, based on the goals that you have, right? Mm -hmm. Now you can be doing events to create top of the funnel. You can be doing events to move, to move prospects along your sales cycle in the funnel, right? Like once they're already an opportunity uh, in the sales cycle. And you also be, and you're also doing events to retain customers, like to provide more value to them, to train them, uh, customer advisory boards and so on and so forth. Right. So, so yeah, I, I'd say that really based on, like, I don't think that companies should decide that, oh, I'm going to do this format of events. Like yeah. the goals of the event should like, determine what format works the best. Right. And again, about keeping your, 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 your personas or the, like the customers you really care about at yeah. the center of all of this, right? Like where do they prefer to consume content? Like where do they, like, what do they prefer? And letting that dictate what your event format should be. Right. And it's not a very complex decision. It's just that it needs to be done. There are multiple variables that impact the decision of the format that you choose but it is it is an it is an important uh, aspect of event planning yeah for sure I, and there's just a lot of things right like i guess there's no real like there's no right answer to yeah. what should like what should be the right mix of events like it all depends on like i said right like again just to give an example like say for example if you're targeting a set if you're targeting smb as a segment Mm -hmm. wherein your ACVs are low, which means your CAC needs to be low, which means you need to be able to reach out to a lot more audience yeah. Yeah. to create top of the funnel. You cannot yeah. possibly be just doing in-person events, right? It's just not possible. Yeah. Virtual has to be a huge part of it because you, like, if your ACVs are like 1000 to $3,000, dollars yeah. you cannot afford to have in-person events for, for the target segment, right? Like it mm -hmm. has to be, has to be virtual. Now, on the other end, say if you're a company that is only, only focusing on enterprise, like probably you can get away with not having a webinar series. You can get away with not having to do virtual events, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're probably targeting CXOs and you could probably do with like just doing networking dinners. You Like you can really decide the format of the event based on your target segment, right? But say mm -hmm. if you're a company that is focusing, which is usually what happens after you cross a certain, a certain revenue threshold, right? Like companies start off focusing on SMB probably to start focusing on one of the segments, but usually you kind of, if you start with enterprise, you go the SMB route or the mid market to SMB route, or exactly. at least you tend towards that. And the same, if like you can start off focusing on SMB and then you kind of tend towards mid market and enterprise at some point in your, uh, in your life cycle as a company, right? But yeah, if you're someone who is focusing on these three different segments, then again, each way combination, right? Like for your enterprise segment, it'd probably do events which are more in-person. But for your SMB and mid-market, you'd have to do virtual. Right. So I feel like there are a lot of, yeah, a uh, lot of things that that really determine like what should the right mix of events be. Yeah. And with all the talk around uh, the recession and, uh, you know, the, the economy being in a tailspin, uh, around you know beginning of this year, uh, beginning of the next year, costs are definitely in focus, right? And you know, Martech tools are very expensive. Every time you sign an approval, you you see that it's not 
a couple of hundred dollars only, right? It runs into thousands of dollars. Uh, so the other thing that uh, a lot of uh, B2B marketers were talking about was uh, unifying the tech stack, right? Uh, and not just so that they can work better um, across the, the life cycle of the event, but also to help them manage cost, manage um, workflows, manage teams, right? Um, yeah. Large organizations have smaller field marketing teams across regions. Um, young startups or SMBs have smaller teams with you know one or two people who are supposed to who are, who are tasked with managing the entire event life cycle, right? So that was one of the trends that came forth uh, very um, uh, very boldly. Um, what are you when you speak to prospects and customers and partners? What are you hearing about this? Yeah, budget definitely probably is like one of the biggest things that people care about, right? Because again, like every dollar that you spend needs to have an ROI. Yeah. So I'd say right now, like the challenge that a lot of even marketers face is because you're using like different point solutions, people end up using a different solution for a webinar. People end up using a different solution for, for creating landing pages for a field event, right? Or field events, using a different solution for user conferences. And then there's just the email marketing tools and there's just so much that is going on. One is, if you think about it, like one is just the cost of all these individual solutions, uh, which is obviously pretty high. Hmm. But I'd say the bigger impact is just the cost of maintaining all of this. Yeah. And just the cost of like integrating all the solutions and making sure that they're working together, right? And just the amount of time and effort that event teams have to spend on these manual workflows, I think is just killing people right now. Because see, the thing is like, one thing we need to keep in mind is the world is changing at a very, very rapid pace. And events, right? Like events are changing so much. Like they've just changed so much over the last 24 months, right? Like what works today is probably not going to work next quarter. Like the pace of change has been incredible. So I think people already have, like even marketers already have enough on their plates in terms of really understanding their persona, understanding what is working, what is not working. And that's where you want to be spending your time, not on getting the basics to work. Yeah, that's true. And um, one, so the problem with multiple tools is also the data silos that it creates, right? Uh, and this was another issue that uh, came up when we were talking to these people, right? Attendee insights is, is something that uh, will become very critical uh, in 2023, right? Uh, people attend multiple events based on their preferences or what is relevance to them. But there is no way to kind of keep track of an attendee profile across multiple events or webinars or formats and things like that. So that is going to be crucial, right? What do you think? Where do you think that is headed? Yeah, I think with the whole information overload and like that is happening right now, I think personalization is going to be one of the biggest themes going forward. Right. I think like even me, like when I attend a lot of these events or register for a lot of events, I just get like one generic thank you email, right? Like I get a lot of emails which says thank you for attending when mm. I've not even attended the event. <laughs> and I get a lot of emails that say, oh, thank you for like, we've missed you at the event when I've actually attended the event. Yeah. Right. So, and to me as a, like as a prospect for them, like potentially, yeah. It's just like a very bad experience, right? Like, like 
I've yeah, I've definitely had instances wherein I definitely like at the back of my head would not have a great opinion of the company that has done that mistake, right? Yeah. But me being in this space, I just understand how hard is it for them to personalize at scale. Like it's very very hard, right? Because it's just so many manual processes. You're using two three different tools. You're downloading CSVs from one place, uploading it somewhere else. Yeah, all of that. It's just so easy to make these mistakes. Yeah, right. So, yeah, being from the space, I understand how hard it is for people. But again, being an attendee at some of these events, you understand the expectations that an attendee has. Like people don't care that it is hard for you to do it, right? Like that's just become yeah. the expectation, right? Right. So yeah, I think like. Yeah, marketers definitely need to find, figure out a better way to yeah. kind of personalize at scale. And also, it's you you can get some incredible information, right? Like from simple things like polls that you do, right? If you're able to pick some intent signals from the polls, and if you're able to have like a sequence that is based on a certain response to a poll, for example, right? Again, it's a simple thing, but as an attendee, I would be impressed if if I get a sequence or if I get some information based on what I care about, based on the session that I watched, based on like where I probably responded with some emojis in a particular place. Yeah. Like when you're talking about a particular topic, right? Like if you send me say a relevant, I don't know, like let it be like a blog post on on the post, like on the section of the session that I'm watching that I liked. Right, like I'd be far more impressed than just getting like one generic thank you mail, which says thank you for attending or sorry we missed you, and that too like, yeah, sending it, <laughs> thank you for attending when I have not. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it it all boils down to the overall experience, right? At the end of the day, the attendee doesn't really care how much hard work goes, but uh, from where we sit, uh, you know. Uh, it, it, whatever we can do to make the event marketer's life easy, we should, right? And uh, I think breaking down silos, it starts with just that, right? Awesome. So, I mean, uh, we have a lot more of these, uh, uh, you know, trends in our, in our latest report and you know, the audience can actually download it from uh, the download button right up in the screen. Um, what I would like to do now is ask you some questions that have been top of mind for a lot of uh, event marketers going into uh, the next year, right? But one of the biggest question was that, um, how are event marketers thinking about uh, the spend versus the tech that they need, right? Uh, what, what do you think are going to be the key, uh, uh, you know, things to focus on there? Yeah, so I think it's, I think the right question to ask is, like, if you're buying, so I guess it's about like, it really depends on the state of the company you're at, right? Like the companies that, that are out there wherein they're using like four or five different tools, right? Like one for webinars, one for user conferences, yeah. one for field events and so on and so forth. So I guess it's about if you're able to consolidate those tools and like buy one solution, mm. how much are you going to save? I guess it's beyond how much you're going to save in terms of just the dollar amount. It's also more in terms of how much time you're going to save. Right. That's going to allow you to, yeah, like just plan better event programs, right? Like make it more personalized, understand your customers, your audience better and spend more time designing your agendas better, spend more time 
curating your speakers better, things like that, right? So yeah. I guess is when you're talking about spend, it's just not the dollars spent on the tools, but also this amount of time that you're spending, which is which is the time which is also equal to the time that you're not spending on some of these in, like important aspects to drive demand, right? Because driving demand is is a lot beyond tech. So yeah, I guess it really depends on uh, the stage of company that you're at. Like there's some, some larger companies that are using four or five different tools for different use cases. For them, it's about, yeah, for them, it's about the ability to consolidate tools and therefore that it takes to consolidate a tool, right? Because if you're moving from four or five different tools to one tool, obviously it does take some time for you to kind of get used to. Sure. But it also provides you an opportunity to kind of yeah, have all your data in one place, automate a bunch of workflows that are manual right now. And then, yeah, you'd, you'd get the benefits of it downstream. Okay, awesome. <clears throat> um, the other question that is top of mind is um, with all the uncertainty around, right? How does one pivot quickly from an in-person event to a digital event or vice versa? Yeah, uh, I'd say it's... I think the number one rule for events is have a plan B. Like it doesn't matter if you're doing an in-person event or a digital event or like whatever your event you're doing, you definitely need to have a plan B, right? Like and a plan C sometimes. I think a lot of times because things do go wrong in events and they go wrong a lot of times, a lot more than you'd want to and a lot more than, than you anticipate. And I think all of us have learned that over the last 24 months, right? Like with COVID and Again, it's just not COVID, right? It's just, see, any any macroeconomic factor that happens, like the first things that get impacted is like these events. So yeah. I think it's it's always, always important to have like a plan B and just have like, say, if you're doing an in-person event and if you expect it to be completely in-person and there's no need for it to be virtual, it's always good to have, think about like, what if the situation changes? Yeah. Like have... Like, I'm not saying you should just go and buy a platform and all of that, but you should always think, say that, oh, if it happens, like, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I'd say the second piece is, I think it's very important for you to take calls faster, sooner than later, right? Like, if you think that the circumstances are going to change, like, if you are planning to do a virtual event and if you want to do in-person event based on certain factors, yeah you might want to start planning for it and just do it in person, right? Yeah. Like, and not re really expect certain macro situations that you're expecting, whatever, right? Like just don't wait for those to happen for you to change your decision and yeah. then take a different route because then it just becomes harder. Then you'd not do what needs to be done for to make it a successful event, right? So right. I guess just take calls faster. Right. And, you know, the sooner you let your attendees, registration speakers, sponsors know, the faster you can turn it around because, you know, everybody understands. And it's not like these kind of things have not happened. They've happened in the recent past. Yeah. Um, okay. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, let, let's look at some audience questions now. Um, let me quickly close with this. <clears throat> okay. So, there is um, uh, a question from Joseph now. Um, he, he's asking once people register the, to the register for the event, right? How do you ensure a higher attendee turnout? And I think this is um, 
in line with uh, the questions that we've been, uh, uh, you know, the, the point that we've been talking about uh, that, uh, you know, attendance, uh, getting people and driving demand to your events is becoming more and more difficult. So what, what are the, some of these quick things that folks can do to ensure a higher attendee turnout? Yeah, I, I'd say that probably the first uh, the first thing is send calendar invites. Yeah. Uh, as in the reason I say that is that's something that we've as a feature implemented on Zardal like six months ago. Yeah. And that has seen a huge, huge improvement in the attendee turnouts, right? Like we've seen an increase in the attendee turnout, uh, turnout from anywhere between like 30% to 60%, which is huge. I, I'm not saying that that is only because of sending invites, but that's a huge part of it. Now, I know that everyone has an add to calendar button, but less than 15% 15, 15 of the people actually ever added to their calendars, right? So it's very, very important that you send calendar blocks so that it's on the calendar, right? So that people don't have to, it's just super, super easy to forget. Yeah. And the second one is, again, really uh, a really small thing that we've seen that five minute, like when you're sending the reminder emails, sending a five minute, like sending a reminder before five minutes is a lot more effective than sending a reminder one hour before the event. Oh, yeah. Right? Like it's something very simple, something you'd not expect, but it, it's, it made a huge difference, right? I guess like now looking at the data, if you think back, it does kind of make sense because I guess it's more like when you think that, oh, I have an hour to go and it's a virtual event, especially, I'll be like, oh, I'll start doing something, right? Like, because it's an hour to go. And then you're on some call or you're doing something and you completely forget about it. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not even on your calendar, right? Like most of the times it's, you're just thinking that, oh, I'll just go attend it in an hour from now. And, and just people miss it. So, yeah, I think those two things definitely make a difference. But yeah. apart from that, it's also getting speaker shout outs, right? Like if you can get make a quick video to talk about what is it attendees are going to learn if they, like what are the takeaways going to be before they even attend the event, right? Like yeah. you can summarize that. Okay, these are the things that we're going to talk about and this is what you're going to learn. And just make that as concise as possible and as, yeah. Really basically make it about the audience and what they're going to learn from it. Of course. Of course. Ties back to what you said about the, the, the power of a strong agenda and content, right? Yeah. Awesome. Um, another question that we have is from uh, Gillard. Apologies if I'm mispronouncing your name. Um, but the question is around hybrid tech. Um, will hybrid tech be simplified too? Currently, the tech know-how seems to be a blocker for marketers to run events in that format. So I think this is more to do with the for hybrid format rather than the hybrid mix of an event strategy. Yeah, I, yeah, I think see, tech has come a long, long way in the last couple of years to solve for events, right? Like, or especially hybrid tech. Hmm. I, I think the biggest challenge that people like that organizers were facing to to host these hybrid events is one is there's just not like a lot of people don't understand what hybrid is, right? So I guess there's a problem with the expertise itself uh, that is required to run hybrid events. Again, it's an expertise that the whole ecosystem needs to have, right? Like not just the person who is conceptualizing it, but also the teams that are executing on ground, which includes the, the production agencies, the AV companies, the event planners, and so on and so forth. Yeah. 
I think people are really learning and learning fast, right? And also, the, it's the event tech. Now, say if you're talking about a hybrid event wherein you expect there to be interaction between virtual attendees and a virtual attendee being able to come on screen on an LED wall of an in-person event and have a conversation with the speaker or ask a question. Now, that was very, very hard to execute. When I say hard, it's just like a complex process. Again, you're patching together a bunch of tools and it's just very, very expensive, right? Mm. But I think there's just been a huge improvement uh, in tools to make it happen. Now, say with Zartle, like we have a hybrid studio, right? Now, if you were to have like 20 speakers or 20 attendees having these conversations with in-person attendees or speakers, I'd say before, like even even with even with customers using Zartle, I'd say six months ago or a year ago, they, they we needed to have like a elaborate setup with like having as many laptops as the number of attendees having conversations real time, right? Which meant that if you wanted 16 people talking at once, you literally needed to take 16 different laptops, 16 different sound cards. So it's just a super elaborate process, which meant that you spend a lot of money. And then at that point, it's just not worth it to do it like that, right? But now, like, you're able to, like, literally do it with one laptop on Zartle, for example, right? Which means that hybrid is just becoming a lot more accessible to execute. So, yeah, I guess, and it's just going to kind of improve from here on, right? Wherein it's just going to become a lot more affordable, uh, a lot more easier to execute. Because it's just not about money, right? It's also about the complexity. And and see, the thing is with events, you want to be safe. Like, it's it's more important to be safe than be innovative when it comes to events, right? Because you don't want something to fail in the middle of an event. That's so true. I think reliability is going to play a huge, huge part. Yeah. And I, I, I'd say the great piece about tech and not having to patch like, you know, like 15 different laptops together is the chance of failure reduces significantly, which right. means a lot more people would be willing to try it out, right? So, yeah. yeah. And we, we all have horror stories from events, right? Stories that make our uh, blood run cold even today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. I have, uh, I think, one more question that we can take. Uh, we have that much time left. Um, so this is more around post-event uh, about marketing and sales collaboration, right? At the end of an event, you typically see that, uh, and this is a lot from personal experience also, marketing is telling sales that you're not following up properly and sales is telling marketing that your leads are bad, right? Uh, I, I think this comes again from the problem of not having a common dashboard or data data residing in silos, right? Uh, what can event marketers do to make a better marketing and sales collaboration so that it's a win-win for both? Yeah, I think this is like one of the most common uh, pain points that we hear from a lot of event marketers, right? Like, uh, yeah, I've heard this a lot of lot of times. I think, uh, I'd say like the simplest way to do it would be like with a tool. Like, I think this one is like just a huge focus for us at Zadil, right? Like making that whole collaboration between sales and marketing uh, a lot more automated than it is today, right? I think a simple answer is there needs to be a tool because that's the only way you can, for you to automate that, right? Like otherwise right now, it's just like a super manual process, which means that you're sharing like Excel sheets with sales teams uh, 
you're trying to compare a registration, like download a CSV of registrations, compare that with, oh, who out of these registrations are prospects in my sales force, right? Yeah. Like things like that. So I think right now, a lot of people's process is very, very manual. To be honest, like I just don't see, uh, yeah, at least to kind of make, like to make it scalable and to make it simple. Like I just can't think of a better way than to use a tool to, uh, to make that happen. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I I think uh, what has worked for us is that, that to get sales involved early on in the whole process, uh, work with them, give them UTM links uh, so that they can go invite prospects, gamify the whole thing, have leaderboards where you can actually track uh, how many leads or registration sales is getting, uh, you know, give them insights into the event as it progresses in real time, so they always have context of. Uh, you know, who's coming, who's attending, who registered, who did not attend and things like that. I, I think it just makes a huge amount of difference. And I, like you said, right, use a tool to get it done because manage this on an Excel or a Google sheet is nigh impossible, right? Yeah. 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 Awesome. I think uh, we're a little over time, but uh, thank you. Thank you so much for joining in. Thank you for your time, Bharat. Uh, before we go, reminder, if you like more insights on uh, what's happening in the B2B event space in 2023, download that report. It's uh, completely free of charge and it's a gorgeous looking report. Um, we wish you a very, very happy holiday and see you when you're back. Have Thanks. a good day, everyone. And that's a wrap. I for sure have learned a ton from this episode of Backstage with Zadul. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to check out all of our other episodes with special guests on Spotify, Google, Apple Music, and other platforms. And head to our trends report to see the inside scoop in detail. With that, I'm signing off.